I'm Nicole Kasperson, fintech journalist, and this is What the Fintech. As a journalist who has covered the finance sector over the last five years, I've had the opportunity to interview and engage with some of the best minds in the space. The media landscape is changing, and financial services is grabbing the attention of a more diversified audience than ever before. As a member of that growing demographic, I will provide direct access to the inner workings of a complex industry while bringing an unconventional perspective to news coverage. Leaving big bank earning reports to the boring traditional media firms, I'll focus on the tech-savvy apps, digital investing platforms, challenger banks, and payment giants to drive relevant content that looks forward to disruption instead of fearing it. What is good, everyone? Welcome to today's episode of What the Fintech, the podcast for fintech professionals who are ready to shape the future of our industry with innovation and inclusion. I'm your host, Nicole Kasperson, and today's episode is something different. I felt it was so important to share my recent conversation over Twitter spaces with Desarte Yarnway. He's the head of community at Fintech Altruist and also the co-founder of Onyx Advisor Network. He's just an overall driving force for changing the complexion of wealth. Desarte and I had an honest and open and authentic conversation around action items and material ways to create an inclusive business. These takeaways are my way to close out Black History Month, but also challenge our industry to make steps towards equity and inclusivity throughout the entire year. We were also joined by a few Fintwit friends during the chat, so I'm excited to share with you all my conversation with Desarte. Well, I wanted to just first intro myself for, I know most of you know me, but just in case, I'm Nicole Kasperson. I'm the founder, host, and creator of What the Fintech is a podcast and newsletter providing fintech and financial services news and analysis with a heavy focus on inclusion. Today, I am joined by Desarte Yarnway. He is the founder of Burknell Financial Group and head of community of Altruists. He is also the co-founder of Onyx Advisor Network and just an overall driving force and king of changing the complexion of wealth. So quickly, why are we here? Let's set the stage. This is kind of a continue the conversation following the Wednesday drop of the Human Advisor podcast, shout out to Altruists, where Desarte sat down with Anna Indre Conte, Dr. David Roney, and Emlyn Miles Mattenly, sharing different journeys, perspective, and real-life experiences for Black professionals in financial services and other industries, and just the overall importance of representation and inclusion and equity. So if you haven't tuned into that podcast yet, you need to do that right after this and then follow that up with the latest What the Fintech podcast with Donna DeBerry. She's the VP of Global Inclusion at Seismic for some real talk and action items. But for this spaces, we do want to, one, have listeners really walk away with to-dos, action items, and material ways to create an inclusive business throughout the year. And we also want to talk about purpose and how to be an advocate. And we really want engagement from you, the audience. So just... Let me know if you want to speak, say a comment, ask a question. I'll bring you up as a speaker. So to start, Desarte, how are you this morning? I know it's early. Really well. I'm doing really well. This by far has been the most incredible 12 months of my life. One, I got married in July. Wow. Um, 7-14-21 legally. And I'm expecting our first child and daughter in May. So it's an amazing time for me. I think that, you know, God is good and I'm looking forward to shining the light that he shined on me on everybody in this chat and beyond. So let's continue to do the work. Love it. Love it. Well, congratulations on all the things. That's a lot of life happenings. And I guess to start, I, I think so. I I have watched the video and the podcast. I've listened to it multiple times. It really hits every time. And I'd be curious, you know, you did a great job spotlighting your guests. So I want to take it a second, maybe just to spotlight you a little bit. How did it feel when, you know, just sitting in that room, having a really vulnerable, honest, very, very like emphasis on vulnerable conversation with, you know, you, two other black advisors, a black robotic surgeon, just all together in the same room. Talk to me about how that just felt having that, that moment. Well, let me just tell you, Nicole, 
throughout the course of my career personally, and I'm sure people can relate to this on this call, I've always felt like I've had to be slightly, I have to be somebody else to be accepted in the space, right? So whether that was the way that I talked, the way that I dressed, the way that I just carried myself in the office. And when I got back to my house, I felt like I was taking off this shell of a person to really be in the comfortable comfort of my home and, and to be myself. This year in December, I was reflecting um, on, you know, our first child. I was reflecting on my life, my, my father, whom I lost in 2003. And I said that in 2022, 2022 would be the most humbly unapologetic year of my yeah. life, right? I was going to be myself. I was going to speak with confidence and I was going to continue to move onward to greatness. With that being said, when we had the conversation with Anayai Kante, Emlyn Miles Manningly, and Dr. David Roney, the power was in the room. You should have felt it, right? <laughs> Everybody was, before the conversation even started, just seeing a Black surgeon, a uh, wonderful woman financial advisor, and Emlyn Miles Mattingly in one room talking about struggles, being vulnerable about their pain points, was that was already powerful, just an image, right? But as we mm -hmm. dove deep into the conversation, you saw that we were all the same. We all experienced right. the same things, right, from different parts of the world. And it, it posed the questions of, of why. Why were we all going through this at the same time at different points in our careers in different industries? At some points, it was frustrating. If you watch the, the YouTube video, it's, it's frustrating to know that this is a reality. In other times, it was inspiring to know that these people still rose despite, right? Mm -hmm. Despite, despite, despite all the odds being stacked against them. So for me, it was just encouraging to see that if, Emlyn can do it, I can. If Anna can do it, I can. If, right. if Dr. David Roney can do it, I can. You know, I'm, I'm going to say this early in the conversation. I live by this kind of method. It's called push-pull. And mm -hmm. when I say push-pull, what that means is that if you're being excellent in whatever your craft is, whatever your profession is, you have the responsibility from your seat to push those people that are ahead of you to continue to be excellent, right? You got to continue to be that cheerleader, root them on. I'm going to root Dr. David Roney on. I'm going to root Emlyn exactly. Miles Mattingly on. I'm going to root Emlyn uh, or Anna Yai Kante on. Uh, but for those that are coming behind me, I have the responsibility, almost the obligation to pull them through the same doors that I was afforded the opportunity to walk through, right? So when I was finished, when we were finished with the conversation, I felt that responsibility, right? I felt like this is even more important now than it was before I walked through these doors. So um, again, that conversation was a gift to me. I hope it was to you, Nicole, and I hope yeah. it was to everybody that will watch uh, the conversation after this show. Yeah, absolutely. And it's important to me. And, you know, there's a reason why I didn't name what the fintech, you know, just women in fintech or, you know, people of color in fintech. I really wanted it to be a conversation for everyone to get involved because that's really what we need. Right. At the end of the day. And that's kind of what your conversation showed. Right. It showed, you know, look at all of these experiences, real, raw experiences, mental health issues, financial equity issues, workplace trauma. I mean, I guarantee that we've all experienced in some capacity something like that, especially if you're a woman or a person of color. And as a woman and person of color, it definitely resonated with me. There's so many points from it. Even I think one of my biggest high point or the things that stood out to me the most was that feeling like you constantly need to be like the best in the room because maybe you feel already like there's odds stacked against you, right? And I feel like yeah. that really came across with David's story and just coming up as a as a surgeon and wanting to do something different than what is expected of him, right? Can we just give Dr. David Roney his flowers really quickly? So if you don't yes. know this guy, I suggest you all go follow him at Surgy. I don't even know how to spell that. I think it's F-I-S-U-R-G-I. <laughs> yeah. But go ahead and follow him. The, the guy was homeless. He bounced around to yeah. a bunch of different cities in his youth. His mom, unfortunately, passed away, had uh, mental health issues, but still he rose, right? He went to the Naval Academy where he, you know, I think that's where he found out that he wanted to be a surgeon. Got there, and at the end of that whole journey, he's right there trying to, you know, knock the door down, really create generational wealth from his family. The person that was supposed to approve his dis dissertation looked him in the eye and said that I would never let you be a surgeon. Imagine that, right? Yeah. Um, and these stories are not spoken about enough. I think that yeah. every person of color, every woman, 
in financial services, in medicine and beyond, has some sort of obstacle in which they could have been defeated, in which somebody tried to break their spirits, right? But we have successes right next to us. Like, David Roney's not that far away from you and I, right? Anayai Kante is my sister. Like, these are stories that are happening right now to your neighbor, to your brother, your sister, your friend. And we need to continue to praise them, um, support them, right? And give them the space and the platform to be able to inspire people with their stories. Right. I mean, and that is one of the biggest things is even just sharing the stories, sharing the nuances of what happens every single day, what goes on when you're a black professional, basically, right? When you're a black female professional, though, you're right, those stories aren't talked about enough. And so the the vulnerability was was really amazing. I mean, just kind of Last question before we dive into those action items uh, regarding the the conversation, although I'm sure I'll want to go back to it a few times during this. You know, what are maybe some really high points or take key takeaways from your talk with Anna, David and Emlyn that stand out to you the most? One, I think that it's important to note that advocacy isn't reserved for one month out of the year. Oftentimes in Black History Month, right, we do these things. You see a lot of companies okay. are changing their logos, right? Support and advocacy is a year-round thing. And I found that the people that David and Anna and Emlyn highlighted in that conversation um, on film and off of film were people that supported them all the way through. So I think that that's something that we need to continue to note. Also, what advocacy means is that you have a responsibility to speak up and stand up against racism and discrimination all year long as well. It's not a one-month thing. Um, Shout out to Sonia Dreisler. I know she's probably listening to the call, but I was on a podcast with her at this point, maybe two years ago in Orlando, Florida at TD Ameritrade Link Conference. And one of the things she said, which was an anecdote for her, was that if you see discrimination happening in your workplace, a simple line that you can use is we don't do that here. Right. And I think oftentimes when we let people say things to our, our brothers and sisters who are, you know, of the underrepresented population, that becomes acceptable, right? Well, if you don't say anything, somebody else thinks that that's okay. And I think it takes advocates to say that's not okay. I'm making breaths because that uh, that really hits. I, as a young woman professional, like in the last five years, what I would have given for someone to stand up for me and say, that's not what we do here. You know, when I had someone put me down for whatever reason, right? She's not experienced enough. She's not this enough, whatever it is. So that just really made me feel things. <laughs> this hard to like, and that's something that I think everyone can do, right? And it doesn't matter what age you are. It doesn't matter how much you've been at the company, how long you can say these things. And that is a great, like, I think having the right language is what maybe frightens people too. But just knowing, hey, one phrase. And Sonia does a great job of doing that, right? Giving us phrases, keywords, key phrases. We don't do that here. For so sure. yeah, that just really resonated with me. Thank you. It's simple and it's powerful, right? But I think it's important for us to set the expectation that in our space, we won't tolerate anything but fairness, equality, right? And giving people a chance to be great. Um, I think the last thing that I got from a high point from our conversation, and I tweet this all the time, collaboration over competition. Oftentimes, whether you're a person of color in a space and you're the anomaly, you think that this is something that you have to hold on to because you're the only one. Or if you're not a person of color, if you're a white man, for example, um, you think that people that are not like you entering the space are here to take your spot. And that does not have to be the case. We can all collaborate and get further together. I love the African proverb that I grew up on that says, um, alone we can go fast, but together we can go far. Mm -hmm. And I think that's true in our industry and pretty much in any industry alone we can go fast together we can go far um one of the ones that i wrote in my latest book called pay me in equity was that a people that cross the river together don't get eaten by the alligator there's so many forces in the world trying to take us out Mm -hmm. but if you work together you're able to you're you're stronger we're stronger together so when i was in the room with anna and emlyn uh specifically we're all financial advisors but i would say that emlyn Emlyn and Anna are the two people that will raise their hand to support me in any initiative that I have, right? For example, mm-hmm. I just hired an assistant. The person that I went to for the job posting was Anna. Anna was like, this mm-hmm. is what you need to do. This is how you need to do it. 
make sure to give them a stipend for mental health. Like, you know, yeah, this is the type of collaboration that we need, because if we do this, we can make a greater impact together. So those are just some quick points. I'm, I'm sure I have some more as we continue through the conversation. But yeah. uh, we need to keep this in mind all year long. All, yes, exactly. It is It is not enough to post Black Lives Matter on your, your Twitter bio and then think that's good enough. And that is something that we see all the time or they just they post it for the month and then take it down. It's really an everyday like we I, I, we call it right doing the work. Do you do the work every single day? So, yeah, I, it just it really is important that this is something that is a conversation at the top. I love that you collaborated with Anna on the resume. I know that's something that um, that is an action item that is helpful. Right. Like even there are ways to put out a job board out there and have language that attracts diverse people like that attracts different people or certain things that so that it doesn't feel like a gender specific role or a race specific role i've actually like spoken with people that that is a real thing right words matter Mm -hmm. everything you put into the world matters including something as simple feeling as this job posting nicole let me just talk about doing the work okay and i'm going to be very candid with you now, when people hear about doing the work, they think that they have to do everything in one day. And I was actually just talking to my wife about this today, about going mm. to the gym. I was like, people oftentimes think about the work, quote unquote, as something that they can do in a day or a week. But instead, we need to zoom out and look at what we can do in a year or five or 10. Right. Doing the work doesn't have to be a one month thing. Again, I'm going to keep harping on that. Um, doing the work, just like in our industry, financial services and investing is a compounding thing. You start small by going to that black woman in your office and telling her that you are here to support her. If she needs anything, you will raise your hand and help her. You start by asking her again or inviting her to meet your senior partner in March and saying, hey, let's all go to lunch so we can understand what your career goals are and how we can get you there. You start doing the work by when this person has proven themselves to give them a raise or give them equity in the company that they're working at because they've done an excellent job. These are things that you can do over and over again. The work is compounding and we treat it like it's a transaction. That's the wrong way to do it. So I just wanted to to say that before we move on to the next thing, because we're not asking anybody to be Harriet Tubman here. (laughs) We are simply asking you to compound, do what you can and make sure that you teach somebody along the way. Teach your neighbor that may not be around the Latinx community. Teach your brother who might be saying things that are not true about the African-American community. That's it. And if you do that and you compound that, you're doing a great job. Right. I think also just asking questions, like not being afraid to ask questions and just lead with empathy. At the end of the day, we're all humans. We're all just trying to survive. Life is hard. It is a pandemic. Let's lead with some kindness. And then feel free to ask questions. Like sharing and learning and action is what, to me, you know, Black History Month is all about. It's what the entire every year is about but you don't know what you don't know i really believe that and you everyone has blind spots if you've never been exposed to something then you simply just don't even know sometimes that the disparities are there unless you go, go out of your way to educate yourself so you know if you feel uncomfortable you know asking these questions just kind of look within and and say it's better to ask than to be silent right silence is violence so that that is what i would say to that as well but kind of jumping into some more action items, obviously the disparities between access to financial education and planning for Black, Latinx, and women are pretty daunting. Data points mm-hmm. range from what, like 15 to 20% of all planners are women, Black, and Latinx uh, account for just what, like barely 4%. I mean, if we're ever going to change these financial inequities, the industry really needs more POC financial planners, Black financial planners represented, women, Black women represented so, you know, let's talk about maybe from your view, because I know there's like a handful of ways to maybe approach this, but where do you start? You know, if you're kind of looking around and saying, you know, crap, I have a successful business, but this is never going to work for the long game because everyone here, no one here is different. How do you face that challenge? That's a great question. Um, let's just start high level. Um, 1,493 black CFPs today. That's about less than 2% of all CFP professionals. Um, Shout out to Dr. David Roney again. If we talk about medicine, only 2.6% of the nation's doctors are African-American. And only 7.3% of those that are in med school 
identify as Black or African-American, when you go to education, right, fewer than one in 10 Black folks are teachers or teachers are Black or Hispanic. That's a low number. That's less than 10%. And when you get to tech, 1% or less are African-American in executive roles or middle management. So as you can see across industries, we're not doing very well in terms of representation, belonging, right, and diversity. Mm -hmm. Although this initiative has increased over the years, which I do acknowledge, we're not doing well when it comes to the hard stat. Now, how can we change it? Number one, we have to educate and get pro proximate to the community, right? The communities that we want to see the change in. It does nothing for me to be on a hilltop preaching financial wellness to people that are already wealthy, right? While that might be great for my business, it does nothing for the next generation that cannot see that th th this is an avenue. This career is an avenue, right? So I think that it starts at the bottom. We have to get close to the, the kids. We have to get close to them. We have to support the organizations that are trying to bring them up. Shout out to BLX, uh, Luis Rosa, Emma Miles Madden, Chloe Moore, and their whole initiative. This is where the change is going to be made by being proximate. Number two, we have to nurture the diverse individuals that are already in the industry. I think a lot of the times people get in and feel like they don't belong. And in the next episode of The Human Advisor with Lizetta Braxton, she talks about diversity, inclusion, and belonging. So often we treat diversity and inclusion as a checkbox. It's like, hey, we need to diversify our, our business. Let's hire a black woman. Full stop. That's it. That's, that's the extent, right? There's no support there. There's, there's nothing there to keep that person in the industry. There's nothing there. We're going to lose them. There's going to be huge attrition numbers if we don't continue to support people that are in the industry once they get here. So belonging is a big thing. And then I would say three, we have to give it time, you know? Right. I, I agree. I, I don't think that this is going to be an overnight success. Um, Rome wasn't built in a day. But I think that if we start with those two things, we can see some significant change in the industry. I think what else is kind of important is also just having all of the stakeholders in like the ecosystem that is your your company fully invested in this. One thing I learned from my conversation with Donna DeBerry, just like hashtag queen, she really emphasized how it actually is like a top down and bottom up approach and like which is tackling it literally from like every angle basically but if everyone isn't invested then you're not going to be able to create like complete change right because it takes at every level right an employee to advocate for a colleague you know the, the the ceo whether they're you know white black cat dog whatever it is like they are, are constantly thinking about it and constantly thinking about it as a part of the bottom line and just obviously it's what's what's good for the world but Sometimes I am just so confused where, where the disconnect is when so much data shows us that companies with more diverse leadership have better financial performance, have longer term success. That to me is still kind of, yeah, it's just a big question mark for me why there's, why that disconnect is still there other than systemic racism. Let me let me just chime in on that. We did an interview um, a couple weeks ago at Investment News in New York for Onyx. And one of the things that I said in the conversation was that we can't expect them to hear our cries from the bottom. Mm. It'll never work. It will never work. And it's that's what we've been doing for so long, saying that we need support. Um, forget support. We just need an opportunity. Just give me an opportunity. That's what I said when I got into the industry. If you give me an opportunity, I will outwork everybody in this room. We're, they're not going to continue to hear our cries from the bottom. In order for this to work, we need people, like you mentioned, the CEOs, the executives, to reach down and meet us halfway. Not even all the way down, right? Meet us halfway. <laughs> and I promise you that the change is going to, to come to fruition. And I think that's the issue that we're having, right? Because we're treating diversity and inclusion as charity and not as the right thing to do. We need to look at this as a just a right. Like you have a right to an opportunity to prove yourself. You have a right to come in here and and oftentimes we have to plead just for that one foot in the door. So I think that they'll never hear our cries from the bottom. They need to reach us, reach down and meet us halfway. And if we can do that, I, I promise you that 
you have people of color, women especially, women of color, proving themselves and changing the complexion of wealth in the industry. I would also add that we have to, I would stop calling like diversity, equity and inclusion initiatives as like a program. Um, that's also something I learned from my convo with Donna. Like if this is, this isn't a program. Why aren't we putting this in the exact same category as when you talk about your, your revenue, your business strategies, whatever it is. Right. I think the other place that I think might be hard for folks that are, that are leading businesses in anywhere but you know financial services specifically is that creating actual that actual safe space you know i know i've been in a, in a in a situation where i'm asked to give feedback or, or that sort of thing or sometimes it's not until i resign into or until i actually you know report something that has happened to me to hr because i'm terrified like i'm genuinely terrified that if i decide you know i'm sure. i'm asian american my like culture tells me, put your head down. You don't rock the boat. You do not speak up. I'm learning to change that. But, you know, how do you kind of create those safe spaces that actually make women, people of color, black people feel like they can speak up in an organization that still feels challenging? Yeah, it's not an easy thing. And I don't think that anybody has the right answer. But what I will say to you, specifically to you, is that, Nicole, there's power in your voice. And by you speaking up, you are making the road easier for the next young woman that is trying to be who you are, right? Or trying to follow your footsteps. And that's what I've learned. I've done a disservice so many times to so many other Black men that are trying to be financial planners or trying to invest their own funds in startup companies or trying to write books, right? And I had to really look myself in the mirror and say that by me doing this, I'm making it harder on him. Mm -hmm. He's going to have it hard because they're going to think that this is the norm. So there's power in your voice. There's change in your voice. And by you using your voice, you're able to help somebody that you might never meet. And I love um, bringing up that Tupac quote that says, like, I might not meet the mind that changed the world, but I'll inspire, I'll inspire that yeah. person. Right. And I think that's what we're here to do. So by you using your voice, I think you help somebody in the long term. Thank you. Thank you so much. And it's the snowball effect. And that's something else that David talked about on your show is that you know, right, everything we do with our time on this earth matters. When we take a step that opens doors for more people, it, like you said, right, I am grateful and learning every day, just like as a young woman to feel more comfortable with using my voice, with, with sharing these experiences, being vulnerable. Because I do believe that, like I said, everything we do on our time on this earth matters. So I'm very thankful for like the brave women, mothers, grand grandmothers that walked this earth before me and, and created that pathway. But how do we maybe get that like mentality into other leaders' minds, it, especially if you don't experience adversity in any way? And one other thing I've learned recently is it really does start with like the listening of your employees. And it's just like ensuring everyone is heard and right, creating kind of a safe space for, for novel ideas and giving team members decision-making authority. But yeah, sometimes that just feels right, like easier said than done. It is easier said than done. One thing I know for sure is that a stubborn queen loses her kingdom. So <laughs> like leaders have to be available and open to hearing the voices of the people that they serve. And I think that we have to start there because a lot of the times, again, we're crying from the bottom to be heard at the top and it never works because they're not willing to listen to the people that are driving their businesses forward, right? So to everybody that's running the business, the one thing that you should do way more than talk, way more than anything is to listen. You have to be open to listening to the people that are driving the growth in your business and pushing your initiatives forward. And I think that's where a lot of companies fail because they're so hooked on this agenda to get series B, C, D, E, right? Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> they're forgetting that none of this is possible without the people that are doing the day-to-day -day work. Um, very much so, like you said, easier said than done. But one thing's for sure, a stubborn queen will always lose her kingdom. So that's, that's one way to think of it, right? Like, uh, or a, a kind of a, like a main way to just think of it, remember it, put a sticky note, have it next to your computer. Like if you're, if you're the CEO or just leading a company at all, is that at the end of the day, the, the world is changing so fast and, and we're at such a precipice, right, between the pandemic and everyone 
recognizing so much disparity, the, the blinders coming off. So you kind of need to remember, like, at the end of the day, this is also good for like my my business. And so kind of implementing that into the narrative, I think we you can't you can't hit a goal if there's no target set. And so maybe talking about really implementing true metrics into a business to say, hey, we're going to meet these certain diversity uh, or equity and inclusion metrics. What's that kind of look like for maybe a, from the financial professional, financial advisor standpoint? Well, I just want to touch on something. You said that diversity is good for your business. I think that that's, I don't know if it's going to shake, rock the boat, but I think that's the wrong way of looking at it. <laughs> you know what <laughs> I mean? If people just are doing things because it's good for their business, they've, they're already lost. You've lost already. This is being human, treating people like they're humans, right? Having a diverse room is just the right thing to do, period. That's the right thing to do. The result of that is that it's going to enhance every part of your business, but you shouldn't be doing it because you just think it's, it'll make you look good in your business, right? Or it's going to, like, that's the wrong thing to do. So I just think that that kind of idea needs to change because I think that a lot of people in business right now are making decisions because in the public eye, they're going to be looked at as a good business. And that's the issue because once once you hire a black woman, a Latinx woman, right? You think the job is done and that's just the beginning. That's just the beginning when you have the people in the door. Mm -hmm. um, in terms of financial services, one of the things that, you know, shout out to Onyx and everything that's going on there. One of the things that we're trying to do is just make sure that the industry looks a little more like our country, right? So when right. we talk about diversity and inclusion, it's truly an inclusive organization. So for financial services, we should take that same approach and make our industry look like our country. Whatever the demographics are, let's try to mirror that. Mm -hmm. So that starts by doing that in your personal business. That starts by doing that in your friend circles, right? Like, I think that's really was the the highlight of my college experience because so many people from different backgrounds were there. So I grew just from being around those folks. I think our industry should challenge itself to look a little more like our country. And if we do that, we're going to make ridiculous change over the next three to five years. And I love kind of taking the idea of like good for business, right. And, and turning it around because, um, and what you, what you said at the top there, because it's, it's about people over profit. And that's something that's a learning lesson, even like for me. And when I talk about this, right. Is like, okay, maybe instead of thinking like, Oh, it's just good for business. We actually want people that, are thinking of it because it's good for society first and then yes. good for business as opposed to just like trying to convince them that it's good for business and then hope that they turn around and come around to being a good person. Um, I love that. I, I love thinking of it like that instead, um, just because it gets to the foundation of, of the, the problem or the issue and, and what is also the solution by changing that mindset. Yeah, for sure. There's space for this. And I think that people don't think it is. There's space to diversify the room. It's a win-win. There's no losing in diversifying the room and making people feel like they belong, giving people equity, having people be represented. You cannot lose. And I don't know why that, it still boggles me that that's still hard to grasp. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. By allowing this to be, everybody's better off. I think if we collectively, again, uh, collaboration over competition, if we can collaborate on making this come true over the next year, right, two, three, we have a different industry. More people are impacted, more households are served, more wealth is created, and altogether our society is much better. I mean, what are your tips for, like, collaborating and growing your own circle and network and village, right? I mean, it takes a village to do anything successfully, but at the end of the day, people tend to have circles of people around them who look like them, right? I mean, that's like mm -hmm. the natural way of being. Like, I know I've been really intentional about diversifying my own friend group, diversifying who I hang out with regularly, who I converse with in workplaces. And so, because I know that's so influential to to me and what is what I know or or don't know, right? So how do you kind of go about collaborating with not just people that you resonate with, but people that you maybe don't resonate with? That 
and that's like that can be uncomfortable you know like how do you reach out to that white leader advisor that maybe is skeptical of things <laughs> like or whatever like how do you kind of reach out to, to the folks that aren't as open that's a great question um you want to hear my uh quote on networking <laughs> yes i like to say that networking is one letter away from not working right <laughs> <laughs> everybody wants to network but I, I truly believe that it's hard to figure out how and what i've learned over the last 10 or so years is that networking isn't about what you can get it's more about what you can give so as you reach across right to somebody that's nothing like you and try to quote unquote network with them it's about what you can give like hey i see that you're doing this i would love to collaborate with you on x like have a deliverable there or you can say i would like to learn from you and that's really yeah. my stance on every time that i talk to somebody or have them on my podcast i would like to learn from you would you like to come on my podcast right mm -hmm. and then that starts the relationship very simple very human um, and I think it's, it's funny that we call the show human advisor because I only have human advice, <laughs> but I think that's how we should, that's how we should really network, right? Being willing to give somebody something and hopefully learn something along the way. Yeah. Yeah. One thing I learned also just from my many conversations, um, with Lule Demissi, she's CEO of Vitoro US and just overall. She's awesome just overall obsessed with her. Um, <laughs> she, and she's, she's just been such a force in the industry for, for all things inclusion and inclusive equity. But um, she talked about looking, not just even at your physical world, but even looking like, what does your Twitter feed look like? What does your LinkedIn network look like? You know, what kind of books are you consuming? What TV are you watching? What That's something even I've been paying so much attention to. I think back at like when I was a child and the things I watched and you're kind of constantly seeing like male leads or, or white male leads and, and the content that you consume that is it's really powerful. So even just diversifying the content you consume, whether it's work or simply a movie you watch, you know, to, to have more kind of, women leaders in, in those spaces or black people in those spaces, especially black women, like stories about black women, please. It's it that it's telling. So, I mean, that is the other side of it, right? Like not just diversifying your, the carbon world you live in, but we're online so much these days. So like putting, mm -hmm. making sure that your, your feed looks different. Like I know I did that when I first started ramping up my, my Twitter again, I like kind of cleared things out and like followed people that I knew were, giving that diverse perspective that I, that I wanted to have in my, you know, in my feed, in my daily intake of content that we're all so crazy about. No, I agree. I, I think that, you know, every year people do spring cleaning, right? And mm -hmm. it's a moment for you to throw away things that no longer serve you. Uh, I think the same should be done for the things that we intake in our lives, such as content. There's things that don't need to take up space in your mind or in your heart. And I think that what you put in without even knowing unconsciously, sometimes you give that back out. So the best way to have a full view of things and even you know figure out what you think is to digest a diverse set of information, right? And I think that you're completely right about that. Being able to take in things from all type of people, all type of communities, right? Opinions, you're able to really figure out what you believe in and you're able to really add value to people that may think differently. So I agree 100%. It's something that I try to practice. It's definitely hard to do because it can challenge what you've known way longer, right? But I think it's a healthy mm -hmm. exercise. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And I also kind of want to ask you about giving that feedback and like implementing feedback loops maybe within your team. You know, it can feel uncomfortable, I guess, right? Especially if you're someone who isn't, in, like used to rocking the boat or isn't used to raising your voice, right? To say, you know, hey, I think our team is not diverse enough and things are happening and that type of thing. And then kind of vice versa, right? Like someone mm -hmm. as a leader telling that to like a manager or team, like having those, you know, I don't, I don't run a business. So I mean, I, right. I just report on you guys. So I'm curious how you also, because that to me is one of like the five keys, right? To being able to implement these strategies into into a company is having those those feedback loops and making them a priority and comfortable. Yeah, when it comes to 
to to giving constructive criticism. I'm going to quote my mom on this one. She used to always say, lead with praise. Mm-hmm. And I think that she was thinking from a spiritual perspective, like whatever you do, give thanks, right? But as I really think about what she was saying is that with everything, lead with praise. Like in the relationships that you have, I oftentimes try to just praise my wife. Like you're doing such a good job. You're baking that baby. You know what I mean? <laughs> um Stuff like that. You have to lead with praise. And if there are development opportunities, you can say you can speak to them as an opportunity versus a weakness. Mm -hmm. Like, I think we have an opportunity here to really diverse our our employee base. And if we do that, I think that that's better for the company. It's growth. Right. And overall impact in our industry. So there are no weaknesses. There are only opportunities to develop, to get closer to your best self. And that's really my stance. You know, with myself, I welcome it. I welcome it from, you know, our PR folks at our street cred. I welcome it from my business partners. I welcome it from our marketing team at Altruist because that allows you to get closer to your true potential. So I think it has to do with how we present the information. You lead with praise, you highlight development opportunities, and you work together to get closer to your best self, whether that's individually or as a company. Oh, my goodness. Okay. Desarte, you said your mom, your mom gave you that advice? Yeah. Okay, I think our moms might be the same people because my mom gives me that advice. My mom literally kind of in a similar way, but she typically is like anytime, like always lead with positive, always lead with the positive, like because then you immediately put something negative in someone's mind and mentality. And then that kind of like F's thing up, like it immediately makes them in the defense. It immediately makes them think, oh, gosh, like what's happening? What did I do? As opposed to like, but just leading with that positivity and what that can do for someone's just mental health, what it can do for them feeling that openness, right to feedback, like we talked about earlier. And I, you, something you said on the podcast as well is that we we talk about like oh, what it was like we we talk about when it's like rain. Oh gosh, I'm yeah, yeah, you know yeah. what I'm talking so, about the rain yeah. and the sunshine. So th- this is how I feel, right? Yes. We, we have such a negative spin on life. Like, I I think I read an article once that said people experience pain 2.5 times more than they might experience joy. So, like, when something hurts you, Mm -hmm. you feel that pain way deeply, way more deeply than when something is good. And that's a problem. So, I was saying on the show, please go watch the show at Altruist page on YouTube. You can find it on the Altruist handle right now. Put that in your queue for the weekend or as you go through your work week. So, the way that we talk to ourselves, right? The Mm -hmm. way that we affirm ourselves all have to do with our morale and how we feel as we go through our day, go through our careers, et cetera. So I'm glad you pointed that out because, you know, those three guests are really in my mind and making me think really deeply. But I think that we should do a better job at being positive in in everything that we do. Right, right, exactly. And um, but I know I know we're we're looking at just a few minutes left here. So I want to encourage anyone that has a question for Desarte or, you know, me um, to let me know in this, I'm like constantly checking this, uh, this little speaker request thing here, um, on my, on my Twitter spaces. So yes, feel free to ask any questions, um, or make any comments. Um, but I think maybe want to like turning kind of the conversation around to, um, you know, what would you maybe say, uh, kind of a two-part question. One, what piece of advice would you say, like right now, to a black professional that is listening to this and is struggling uh, with the inequities while working or trying to work in the finance space or hell any space at this point? You are strong. You are powerful. You are capable. Your voice matters. Keep going, right? Mm-hmm. All your efforts will not be will not go in vain. And I think that it's important for black professionals to encourage themselves along the way. At your lowest, you are your own cheerleader, right? So you are strong, you're capable, you're powerful. Your voice matters. Keep going. I'll tell you a story about my mom in my first quarter of running my business. I was like billing like I was still at the bank, first of all. So there were problems just based on how I was taught to be a financial advisor. And I remember getting that check and it was like, in the, it was like $20 for the quarter. <laughs> and I'm like, call my mom, like, mom, I got to go back to the bank. It, I have to. And my mom looked at me in the eye and was like, D, do not quit. 
give me that check. Do not cash the check. I'm going to frame it for you. And after five years, you'll be excited that you didn't quit. So in my mind, through the side jobs, through the having meetings at the WeWork across the street as I was working admin jobs in D.C., through all of those things, that was in my mind. Like, it's going to be better. And five years later, she could not be more than correct. But it takes someone and, and it takes you to affirm yourself when you feel like it's the end. Keep going. Mm-hmm. Your voice matters. You are capable. And I think that we need to hear it. Sometimes you need to have somebody tell you, you know? Yeah. Um, <laughs> but that's the that's that's what I would say. Go ahead. Yeah. You said you had a second part to that question. Oh, yeah. Well, this is the part two would be what advice would you say to allies tuning in, right? To someone that wants to help, but maybe sometimes doesn't know where to start or what to do or is nervous to say the wrong thing because they haven't maybe experienced you know, the things that, that folks like us have, yeah, what, what would your advice be? What would you speak to, to them? Every action that you make with diversity and inclusion in mind is a seed that you plant that will later grow into its proper figures. Right. So while it feels like, you know, you standing up and saying something is, is, is a small gesture, that small thing is encouraging somebody to continue. Right. That small gesture is opening the door for more acceptance a more inclusive uh, industry. So I would say that continue to plant those seeds, let them compound. It's not a today thing. It's an everyday thing. And if we continue to look at it from that way, because some people feel like they're doing too little or like, Mm -hmm. how could this make an impact? Right. If I just say, Hey, stop doing that. Or we don't do that here, but that goes a long way. So every action that you do in defense or uh, with diversity and inclusion in mind, is planting a seed that's going to one day grow into its proper figures, continue to be an advocate. Your voice is powerful, and we need you. Um, so that's what I would say to them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I love that. And it makes me think of, you know, on the show, you there was some conversation around, like, looking at, like, your future in, in 30 years and, you know, thinking about, like, what if you didn't make, some sort of change or what if, and like kind of having no, no regrets, right? It's a lot of the reason why I'm doing what I'm doing now. Right. And why I made moves. And, um, cause I think I would really tell myself, like, am I willing to give the rest of my twenties to something, you know, and into my thirties, something or a job or a person or whatever it is, am I willing to give them this energy, my, my time? But it reminds me of kind of like, there was a lot of discussion around creating your own equity and that being kind of the only, sometimes the only way, right. To make it to, um, I, I love to quote Beyonce. She said, if she wasn't invited to a table, she would, she built, so she built her own. She chopped down the wood, Mm -hmm. she built her own and she brought the best in the business that she could. Um, and that was the underdogs, the underrepresented, the people that weren't given the time of day. She brought them, she, gave them a seat at her table and said, like, let's do this thing. It's kind of my big inspiration for what I'm doing. But yeah, I, I kind of love thinking of like this also in a, in that future sense, right? You know, what do we, we're talking about this now, it's February's Black History Month, but we want to, what does three months from now look like, you know, for you and what you have helped or what you've done, right? To uh, move the needle. What does a year look like from now? 30 years look like from now, you know, what kind of world do you want your, your kids to, to grow up in and live in and those are the things for me, like I, I've had people pretty constantly tell me like, oh, well, things aren't going to change. Like what I have and I, in my head, I'm like, yo, I'm 27. I don't have time right now to think about or things like not ever changing. Like I'm never going to think like the world won't change. Like I will always want to move or always want to be before that and work towards that every day. But yeah, that's I. That was something that really resonated can, resonated with me from the conversation. Can I talk to you about equity? And I'm learning. I'm continually learning about equity. I just got into like seed investing and learning about that whole space. To me, equity is grown and made by doing the hard thing first. So if you mm-hmm. want to increase the equity in your business, the hard thing might be to take a stance on diversity, inclusion, and beyond and belonging, and making that crystal clear with everybody in your organization. But if you do that long term, you're going to win. The hard thing when we talk about our industry and investing, right? The equity is grown by doing what seems like a hard thing, investing consistently, holding on to your investments in different cycles of the market, peaks, troughs, whatever, right? That's the hard thing, but that's how it's grown. 
So if you're unable to do those hard things, you will never have equity. And I think that from a leadership standpoint, all the way down, like think about those hard things and do that first. I always wake up in the morning, like what are my most challenging tasks, right? Cause I like start early, go to the gym, take my vitamins, whatever the case is. And I do the hard thing first, right? I do the hard thing first because I know that if I do this, I'm moving the needle further. Um, I think that's what we need to take away from this, right? And this is a reminder. Black History Month, more than anything, is to highlight those ha- that have impacted our society the most to get us to where we are today. But it's also a reminder to keep going and continue the agenda and the start that they've done for us. But we have to continue to push on that door, right? Mm-hmm. We have to continue to chop wood and bring it to the place so we can build a longer table. And that starts with doing the hard thing. I love that you also brought in, right, you know, to start and, and kudos to you. One one of these days, I'm going to start every single one of my days with a workout. I'm working towards that. But anyways, you know, I, doing self-care, right? Unless you are kind of loving yourself, feeling yourself and feeling like you are the best version. Ooh, James has requested to talk and I'm so stopping to let him. Welcome. You're a speaker now. I'm sorry. I'm in an intersection now, so it, it was a little weird, but... Uh... I'm just going to contrast uh, DeSarte's point just by talking about some of the easy things you can do, because I do I do agree that doing the hard things is important, but just keep an eye out for excellence and don't really care about what that package looks like, whether it's age, color, whatever. I mean, uh, Nicole, I think I first ran into your stuff about, what, seven months ago, and I was just like, wow. I mean... <laughs> This is somebody I've got to hype up. This is somebody I've got to pump up. And there is so much excellence out there that if you just keep an eye open for it and, you know, when you find it, you're intentional about supporting it. I mean, I think that's a very small thing, but I think it's an important thing that we all can do. And I'm going to hop off before I get in an accident here, but love you guys. And uh, thanks for this. Thank you. Hey, real quick, Nicole, let me tell you a story about James. I met James 2019 at Wellstock Conference. We were in Arizona and we did a podcast. Him, I, Tyrone Royal Jr., who's now the CEO of uh, OnRamp. And we're sitting there and he comes up to me. He's like, whenever you come to Austin, I have a place for you. You can stay at my house. Uh You can work in our office, whatever you need. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And, and when we talk about some of the easy things, yes, that's that. I don't even know if that's easy. Like you're opening your home to me. Who am I? Right. <laughs> but um, that's advocacy. It's yep. just saying that I'm here for you. And since then, I mean, he's following me. He's amplified the podcast. He is a, a subscriber to the human advisor and everything altruist. Like the dude is practicing what he preaches. So uh. um, I agree, James. That's a great point. There are easy things that you can do um, in terms of the hard things. I just think that, it's hard for a leader to say like, we're going to make a stance on diversity and inclusion, you know? Mm. And sometimes if you are daring enough, if you're, if you challenge the status quo, I think real growth and real equity can be earned. Um, But that's a great point. Yeah. Yeah, totally. And thank you, James, for saying something like round of applause for James, because he is like the, the allyship and advocacy that, that we all wish to see in the world. Yeah. James actually was like a very OG, uh, what the FinTech, follower and subscriber and found me pretty early and and helped um really hype me up and i i there's a number of you know of men of of white men of people that that have done that for me and that is so it's encouraging it's hella encouraging like simon right i typically refer to him as simon says in um in my newsletter, if I, if I quote him, um, but what like an advocate and, and I, you know, we met and he like over a zoom and he was just like, I love seeing like young women doing awesome things. And like, how freaking cool is that? That is like, not that I haven't, until I started talking about this openly, there really, I hadn't really had anyone kind of come at me and been that honest. And we have another person requesting to speak. So I'm going to pop them in. I see you. Let's see. Hey, Adara. Hello, hello. What's up? Yeah, I wanted to chime in on what you were referring to as far as uh, advocates, because I feel like I have a really unique and cool um, experience with this. Uh, Just really briefly, like whenever I was in college and I was studying financial planning, 
I met Peter Lazaroff whenever he had uh, come to our university to recruit out of our program, him and Amy. And I have like seen tangibly with, you know, being in the industry now for, I think like two years, just how like thankful I am just to have like someone who's like our chief investment officer, which, I mean, if we're just being honest, like work in a white dominated space and the fact that there was somebody who was in his position, who was willing to really just put his neck out for me. And, um, you know, like I, I do know that like I have the drive and the willingness to be successful. And like, no matter what, like, no matter what it was, like, I felt like I was going to succeed, but it really did help expedite <laughs> the process in a lot of ways. Um, and I do think that really like we, people like James is a great example. And I would say also someone like Peter, who's really helped a young, loud <laughs> black guy like myself um, really reach places is yeah just really important and those things should be celebrated yeah i am really loud if you guys haven't met me in person yet, but, yeah. <laughs> hey adaro first of all i love you bro you are the future I, and i mean that you're up next if you if you don't follow a dog please follow this young masterful young financial advisor um but i think nicole the thing that i want to bring out of this is that we hear a lot about the downsides of diversity and inclusion and you know, the things that are happening that's wrong to our communities. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of it. So I don't want to downplay that at all. But there are success stories like Adaro and Peter Lazaroff, right? Mm-hmm. Um, that could give somebody hope to do the same thing. Like, it doesn't have to be a scary, daunting thing to go out and support somebody that's nothing like me, right? And I see that in the relationship that Adaro has with Peter. So just wanted to say that. I appreciate that, Desarte, and I love you too, man. I'm excited to have you on this uh, on this panel here in, a, in about two weeks or so. I have the flyer coming out soon, but Let, let's do it. <laughs> Desarte on his media tour, basically, well deserved. But I mean, to kind of go off that, I, I said earlier on uh, before some of the some more folks joined on how much I wished in the beginning of my career that I would have had some an advocate had a James, you know, had someone to share my content or the things I'm doing and say, like, this person is worthy, um, just because as loud as I try to be myself, sometimes I'm I'm not heard, right? Or at least I'm being heard now a little bit more. So yeah, that that is critical, right? And that 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 is like, and back to what James said, that small thing, a small thing you can do every day and 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 looking, right? Literally just like opening up your eyes to to other content creators out there to other advisors out there who else is who else is creating something just so freaking cool that you know deserves more of a platform i try to do that a lot with with my podcast there is a wild amount of just straight up badassery with women in fintech women in finance who have you know not a lot of followers on twitter or don't get a lot of recognition i literally interviewed the woman who helped staples.com launch during web 1 like, and she's not someone a lot of people know. Her name is Jackie Shebeck. Like, check her out. She's freaking awesome. She's the founder and CEO of 1414 Ventures. She invests in uh, digital identity startups. So to help, you know, more, especially people across waters, um, have other ways of, of identifying ways to make them worthy borrowers by their digital identity. But anyways, but it's crazy to me just how many people out there have done such crazy amazing things but then don't right the advocacy isn't there so then no one tells their tale yeah that just like blows my mind but it's why i'm here right it's like what makes it's what fuels me and my kind of mission with with what the fintech for sure nicole can i say something really quick on that i think that sometimes it can be difficult for for people who are in those leadership roles to recognize the benefit that advocacy actually brings to them. Because I think whenever you're really just like running, trying to, you know, achieve like the corporate ladder, like you're just trying to move to the next point, you know, Mm -hmm. increase revenue, whatever it is. And you sometimes forget how much value add is actually brought to you in literally just having a conversation. And I think one of my favorite things, whenever I was still in school uh, and I had a little bit more time, (laughs) I would always like DM people um, and ask them if I can talk and just like have a second. And the amount of value that was brought to me just from being able to like talk to older people in the industry was so fun and really cool. But at the same time, I started to notice how much value actually brought to them. Like it 
was a sense of, yes. you know, like bringing a sense of like spunk or excitement to like what they were doing. So I, I feel like people can almost look at it as a sense of like a charity case of like, oh, like I just want to, you know, like, you know, don't look at it in that sense. It's like in some ways, like it's almost like a business part. Like the person is bringing something to you like and I'm sorry to use him as an example again, but like, you know, like someone like Peter, I'm sure that I benefit him in the sense of I'm a young 20 four-year-old black male and i'm sure that as he writes now like he can hit a different pocket that he's never been able to actually talk to or you know like previously because you know like just so i guess all in all what what i'm getting at is like for those people who are in those leadership positions it's i do think it's a sense of just really changing your perspective and seeing the value that other individuals can bring and you know like i think this is not the last thing I'm going to say. I think that um, for all of us who are in the financial or investment world, we can clearly see the benefits that diversification can bring to our portfolios, um, not only in lowering volatility, but then also having a sense of um, like increasing expected rate of return. And I think we see the same things in our lives. Like as we continually um, bring different people around us, it does like it makes us better people as a whole. But that's yeah. That's Nicole, well said. See, see he, he's saying everything that we talked about earlier, how networking is one letter away from not working. Right. <laughs> and it's not about what you can get. It's about what you can give. And I think that you understand your value. Right. So if you understand that, you can walk into any room with confidence and being able to meet somebody with something to give. So shout out to you again, man. I'm, I'm super excited about everything that you're going to do in our space. Yeah. Thank you so much, Adora, for sharing. And, you know, feel free to to chime in again. The one thing that came to mind with with what he was saying is also when you when you do hire or bring on someone that is maybe younger than you would typically hire or is different than you typically will hire I may or may not be talking from my own experience and being told this when I'm hired but there tends to be sometimes this like I think that there's something to making sure that the talent that you do hire that is different or not like just atypical from what you would quote unquote, usually higher, doesn't feel like they're coming in like, oh my gosh, I'm a risk, right? Like this was a risk that the company took to bring me on. That's something like I've experienced and it's not like the best feeling to immediately come in like, okay. So I feel like there's just something to that, right? Like making sure that when you do bring on someone to say, you know, you are an asset, your difference is an asset, your difference is a freaking superpower, and I can't wait to learn so much from you that, that and, and vice versa. Yeah. Like I said, I don't run a business, but I wish the people that were running businesses that I've worked for would say that shit to me. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I think what people have to know is that there's nobody like you, right? Like you are mm-hmm. the, the secret sauce and we all have to stop fitting in to stand out. That's really it. And Adaro does a great job at that. Um, all together, Nicole, I'm excited about this month. If you know somebody who is African um, or African-American, go up to them, ask them how they can you can support them and support them not only in the month of February, that's Black History Month, support them every month. Check in with them, right? See how they're doing. Ask about their mental health. This life is hard if you do it alone, but it's much sweeter if we do it together. Uh, so, so well said. So well said. Uh, okay, I could, I could definitely talk about this. Like, actually, I could spend my whole Friday doing this. I know we're like, hella over time but this has just been like so constructive and so positive uh and i really really appreciate this arte your your view i appreciate you helping me out i mean earlier he helped even me just like here on the record understand like a better way i can say things so thank you you're literally teaching me as as we're going along and so i appreciate that from you and being open and vulnerable and sharing oh my goodness something that you know, I've tried. I've tried at uh, past jobs to share my experiences as an Asian American woman, as a young person in her twenties in finance. But like, I'm not always heard. So for you guys to put your experiences, you know, uh, Doctor David there, he shared a very vulnerable experience on the show. It those need to be shared and listened to. So it just brings me a lot of hope. It brings me a lot of hope someone sitting in my own seat to to see this on this scale and to see leaders like yourself paying so much attention to it and talking about it every day right this is the long game this isn't just february 
So, yeah, I mean, I'm just really fueled and fired up and encouraged. And so thank you. Thank you. Thank you to everyone on here that has paved pathways for someone like myself, for the next generation, for the, you know, future daughter I'll have or whatever, you know, my nieces, my nephews, whatever, to have pathways of just inclusivity and equity and all the things. So it just, yeah, as a young person, it really makes me excited. So thank you. Thank you, Nicole. I appreciate you having me. Yeah, of course. Well, this was amazing. Um, I am hopeful that I will turn the replay of this into a What the Fintech podcast. I can't think of a better way to close out Black History Month. Granted, we talk about this every day and and all year. But um, if there's anything else that you want to hear from Desarte, reach out to him, follow him, listen to the show. Like I said, I think actually a great order of operations is to listen to the Human Advisor show with David, Anna, and Emlyn, and and Desarte, and then, shameless plug, listen to the episode, the What the Fintech episode with Donna DeBerry of Seismic. That woman's worked with Oprah, so like, she just, listen to her, listen to what she has to say. But she really does break down some and unpack some really great action items every organization can can do. We did so on this pod, or in this Twitter spaces as well. But otherwise, thank you all so much for showing up and being here and supporting and doing all the things you do. I'm blessed to have all of you in my in my Twitter feed. Thank you. Onward to greatness, everybody. Thanks, everyone.